الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين All praise and thanks belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and may the peace and blessing of Allah be upon his servant and final messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam As to what follows my dear respected brothers and sisters in Islam Assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh Ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at the beginning of this lecture that he accept our gathering and forgive our sins and our shortcomings. And I would like to extend my thanks and gratitude to the organizers of this masjid and the organizers of this lecture. And I uh, thank you all for your attendance. We ask Allah Azza wa that he make tonight's lesson a benefit and a source of guidance and mercy for all of us. My brothers and sisters in Islam, the day that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent down this Qur'an was the day in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's mercy came down. Allah azza wa jalli says, وَنُنَزِّلُ مِنَ الْقُرْآنِ مَا هُوَ شِفَاءٌ وَرَحْمَةٌ لِلْمُؤْمِنِينَ We reveal this Qur'an, and this Qur'an, alongside of it, comes down Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's mercy, وَرَحْمَةٌ and shifa. Shifa, it's a cure of physical diseases, and diseases and sicknesses of the heart. And since the day this Qur'an was revealed, it has always been a source of mercy and peace and guidance for mankind. That's the nature of the Qur'an. It was a source of guidance for Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Allah azza wa jalla, he said, وَوَجَدَكَ ضَالًا فَهَدَى He found you lost. He found you seeking. This was in Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam's state before the Qur'an. And then, fahada. All of a sudden, he was guided. Where did the guidance come from? As soon as the Qur'an came down, he went from dalan immediately to the state of hada. He went from lost immediately to the state of being on a straight path, guided by the permission of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. For this Qur'an, was a source of guidance for Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam and for the best generation and that is the companions and for those after them and for the generations that came after and continue to come after until 1400 years it is still a source of guidance and mercy and tranquility for all of mankind and from the guidance that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed in the Quran is the stories of the prophets Almost a third of the Qur'an is about the stories of prophets, the stories of past nations. And the stories in the Qur'an were not narrated for recreational purposes. This wasn't the purpose of why a story was mentioned in the Qur'an. Rather, the stories that were revealed in the Qur'an, they were revealed for a higher purpose. And that is so that they can instill steadfastness and commitment upon Iman in the heart of believers. That is the purpose of a story. When we read a story from the Qur'an and we reflect over it, it necessarily gives us this energy and this strength and this steadfastness and commitment upon Iman and Islam. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَكُلَّا نَقُصُّ عَلَيْكَ مِنْ أَنْبَاءِ الرُّسُلِ Allah Azza wa Jal in this ayah, he highlighted the purpose, the wisdom, the reason 
For why he told us and narrated to us the stories of prophets and those of the past. It was for one simple purpose and reason. And that was, So that your heart remains firm and committed and steadfast upon the straight path. Upon Iman, upon La ilaha illallah. This is the effect a story of the Quran is supposed to have on the hearts. For we ask Allah Azza wa Jal that he allow us and give us the ability to remain steadfast upon La ilaha illallah through the stories of the Quran. My brothers and sisters in Islam, from the stories of the Quran is the story of Musa alayhi salam. And it is mentioned in many parts of the Quran. His name alone was mentioned approximately 130 times. And his story about 60 times in different parts of the Quran. And if you're reading the Quran in the same manner that the companions would read the Quran, and that is once every seven days, this was how the companions would read the Quran, then most definitely you would be reading the story of Musa alayhi salam more than 20 times a day. 10, 20, 15 times a day you'll be coming across the story of Musa alayhi salam. Let's just speak about the natural relationship a believer is supposed to have with the Quran. If we're reading it every seven days, you're being reminded day and night about his story. It is serving as a powerful source of guidance for mankind. And one of these stories of Musa alayhi salam is an incident in which a Samiri plays the most important role. We're going to speak about him and who he was. My brothers and sisters in Islam, a Samiri in brief, he was from among Bani Israel. This is one opinion. Another opinion suggests that a Samiri was an individual who was from the followers of Fir'aun. And Fir'aun, initially, he was an individual who used to worship calves, the cow. He used to worship that initially. Before he said, Ana ala. Later on, he declared himself a lord, and he came out and said to the people, Ana ala. Samiri was from his followers. Eventually, later on, when the message of Musa alayhi salam would reach Bani Israel and would reach the people of Fir'aun, he accepted Islam. He accepted the message of Musa alayhi salam. And he became from Bani Israel. He became of the followers of Musa alayhi salam. Now the story of As-Samiri begins after Allah Azza wa Jal saved Musa and Bani Israel from Fir'aun and his army. You know, and I'm sure you have been reminded of this story on the 10th day of Ashura, which was just almost over a week ago. The 10th day of Muharram, Yawm Ashura, was the day in which Allah Azza wa Jal saved Musa and Bani Israel, and he caused Fir'aun and his army to drown. When they passed and they crossed this ocean, and eventually now Musa salam and Bani Israel are on the other side, they're walking towards Asham. And their enemy has been destroyed by the permission of Allah Azza wa Jal. That was the end of them. As they cross this river, they get to the other side, they're moving. And they come past a town in which there were people worshipping idols. Allah Azza wa Jal, he said, وَجَاوَزْنَا بِبَنِي إِسْرَائِيلَ الْبَحْرَ فَأَتَوْا عَلَىٰ قَوْمٍ يَعْكُفُونَ عَلَىٰ أَصْنَامٍ لَهُمْ 
they came past a people that were devoting their worship, Ya'kufun, devoting their worship to a god, to an idol. The ulama, rahimahumullah, they say that this idol was made of a calf. It was a calf. It looked, it was in the shape of a calf. They were worshipping it. So Bani Israel, from their ignorance, knowing that Allah just saved them, finally relief came to them after many years, they would look at Musa السلام, and say to him, Make for us a Lord, just like they have a Lord. Allahu Akbar. They say their foot was still wet as they crossed this river and they've come out. They've just experienced a huge miracle before their eyes. Allah has just saved them from their enemy. Allah has given them relief finally. A huge calamity has come to an end in their life. And instead of thanking Allah, they're requesting from Musa, Make for us a Lord. In the same manner they have a Lord. Allahu Akbar. This is their ignorance. He said to them, You people are foolish. You people are ignorant. This is the strength of Ad-Da'i. This is the strength of the one who calls to Allah He condemned their saying. He condemned their request. He said, What these people are doing and what they have devoted themselves to the worship of, It is ruined. They are going to destroy themselves. They are already destroyed by worshipping a God other than Allah This is falsehood. What they are upon. This is falsehood. So they moved by. They moved. And at this moment, Allah had promised Musa السلام, that he will speak to him at the mountain. And this is the second meeting between Musa السلام, and Allah This is the second time round. Allah now, he has promised Musa السلام, and he has given him appointed fixed time to meet at the mountain. This time round, Allah promised to deliver to him a Torah, a book that is going to have fihi hudan wa nur. It's going to have guidance and light and mercy. There is going to be guidance for humanity at the time. So Musa السلام, wanted to rush to this meeting with Allah The story begins, Allah in Surah Taha says, وَمَا أَعْجَلَكَ عَنْ قَوْمِكَ يَا مُوسَى The idea what happened here is that now Musa السلام, is longing for this meeting with Allah at the mountain. He's desperate. He wants to run. He has passion. He's enthusiastic. He wants to run to this meeting with Allah So he gets his brother Harun who's with him and he takes him to the side and he tells him three things. Listen carefully and memorize. He said, He said, Harun, you're in control. Be the leader and the commander of Bani Israel. I'm leaving now. I need to go to the appointment with Allah and receive a Torah that Allah has promised. 
So you be in charge. Be in charge, number one. Number two, aslih. Aslih, do the right thing. Do what's right. Make sure Bani Israel are in line. If anyone in Bani Israel does something wrong or tries to bring misguidance among the people, punish him. Stop him. This is what aslih means. And number three, If in the event someone starts to do wrong and go out of line and you're not able to control him, then do not follow the path of the wrongdoers. Do not follow the path of the corrupt. Make sure you're distant from those who are corrupt. Make sure you continuously condemn the actions and the words of those who are corrupt. Never ever line with them and be a part of their group. These are three clear instructions. Musa alayhi salam leaves him and rushes. Rushes. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, this is when Musa alayhi salam has now arrived to the mountain. He's there on time. Allah Azzawajal asks him a question. Allah Azzawajal says to him, What has made you hasten from your people? What makes you rush and come here early? Allah Azzawajal knows why he's come early. But this is Allah Azzawajal's love for Musa alayhi salam. So this, this conversation begins. Musa alayhi salam, he says, he said, my Lord, my people, my nation, they're following me. They know where I've headed. But I've just rushed here to this meeting and they're coming. In a few days, they should be behind me. They should reach to where I am. But I rushed. I have rushed so that you can be pleased with me, my Lord. Allahu Akbar. Musa alayhi salam is teaching us that this is how the attitude of the believer should be concerning his relationship with Allah. The believer should always rush to Allah And you're rushing to Allah to earn his pleasure, to earn his love subhanahu wa ta'ala. You know what's beautiful about this? Is that by this time, Musa alayhi salam is already loved by Allah. Imagine Allah has chosen him as a prophet. Not only that, he is the Prophet who Allah spoke to, Kalimullah. He's from Ulul Azmi min al Rusul. He's from the noble, mighty messengers of Allah. Allah looked after him from when he was born. He provided for him. He maintained his affairs. He looked after him with care and compassion all these years. So, Musa alayhi salam is not deceived by all of this. He doesn't sit down and say, Allah, I've earned the pleasure of Allah already. Khalas. I can sit and kick back now. He doesn't have this attitude. He's rushing. Why? Because the believer, every moment in his life is an opportunity to earn Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's love and pleasure. But why do you come to Salat al-Isha today? You prayed yesterday. And the day before it, you prayed. Now, the attitude of the believer, I'm coming. Because this is another opportunity for me to earn closeness and the pleasure of Allah You read Quran yesterday. You'll read again today. You'll fast again. You'll do your adhkar again. You'll continue to do the good deeds. Maybe you gave a sadaqah in the morning. You'll give another, another sadaqah today. And what is your motto? What is your inspiration? 
وعجلت إليك ربي لترضى I'm rushing I'm not going to be deceived and I am not satisfied with the worships that I did yesterday I'm not satisfied maybe that didn't earn me Allah's mercy and love and pleasure oh I don't know so I'm going to look at every second and moment that comes in my life as an opportunity to gain closeness and earn Allah's pleasure and earn his love this is what Musa alayhi salam is teaching us through this beautiful response of his. And we learn that when it comes to matters of worship, the attitude is rush, quick. Don't sit down and try to make uh, a decision about them. Should I fast Monday? Wallah, should I delay it to next Monday? Don't make a decision. Don't sit down and give yourself an option. If it's good, rush to it. There's no point in delaying it. The delay is coming from a shaytan and it's coming from the evils of a nafs. Allah Azza wa Jalla said, وَسَارِعُوا إِلَى مَغْفِرَةٍ مِّن رَبِّكُمْ وَصَلَاةِ الْجُمْعَةِ Allah Azza wa Jalla would say, فَسْعَوا إِلَى ذِكْرِ اللَّهِ Rush to the remembrance of Allah Azza wa Jalla. وَذَرُوا الْبَيْعِ Leave your business, leave your sales and rush to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And when it comes to worldly matters, this is where you relax. This is where you take it easy. Allah Azza wa Jalla said, "Famshu fi manakibha." Walk on the edges of this earth when you're seeking your sustenance and your provision. Relax. You're making a decision about buying a car. Take your time. About moving to a house. Take your time. No problems. These are worldly matters. Amma when it comes to matters of the afterlife, then rush to them because they're all full of goodness. And each of them is an opportunity to earn you closeness and love and the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah azza wa jal then, he said to Musa alayhi salam, he gave him a fact. He said to him, فَإِنَّا قَالَ فَإِنَّا قَدْ فَتَنَّا قَوْمَكَ مِنْ بَعْدِكَ وَأَضَلَّهُمُ السَّامِرِيِّ This is upsetting news, but it is the reality. Allah azza wa jal said to Musa alayhi salam, Indeed, we have tested your people, after you had left them and came to the meeting, we tested them in this period when you left. They have been tested with kufr and shirk. And this individual as-samiri caused their misguidance. Misguidance was ascribed to him because he was the cause of it. He was the reason. We'll find out in the ayat how it happened. But the idea is this. Listen very carefully, my brothers and sisters in Islam, there's a reflection here. Allah Azza wa Jal is saying to Musa alayhi salam that we caused a fitna and a test upon your people after you have left them. Now they have fallen into kufr, into shirk. Now they're worshipping a god. They're worshipping an idol. We'll see what this idol is and how it came. And they have become misguided. What does this teach us? Bani Israel were like this. If Musa alayhi salam was not with them, they would easily lose their steadfastness and lose their deen altogether. And if Musa alayhi salam is there, he controls them. They will not be misguided and they would not fall into a fitna. And you know what this is, my brothers and sisters in Islam? This is teaching us that there are some people like this. Their heart is attached to a shaykh. Their heart is attached to a scholar. If he's present, we're good. If he's absent, we have no reason to commit to Islam anymore. 
We'll leave it altogether. And this is what caused them to be misguided. They were attached to people. Whereas a believer should be attached to Al-Wahi, should be attached to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So now that way, if the leader is here, if the scholar is here, if the caller to Allah is he, if he disappeared, someone else came, if he became corrupt, if he went, if he became whatever it is, doesn't matter, doesn't bother me. I'm not attached to him. I was attached to Allah. I was attached to Al-Wahi. This is why Allah Azza wa Jal would say, فَاسْتَمْسِكْ بِالَّذِي أُوحِيَ إِلَيْكَ إِنَّكَ عَلَى صِرَاطٍ مُسْتَقِيمٍ Hold on. Hold on firmly to that which has been revealed to you. Because the Wahi never changes. The Wahi doesn't change. So if you're attached to the Wahi, your state of Iman would remain stable and firm, bi'ithnillah. And if you're attached to people, well, look at the result. The moment Musa alayhi salam, the moment leadership was absent, they fell into al-fitnah of kufr and shirk. Well, it wasn't yani, within 20 days, 20, 30, 40 days. And they had left their Islam and Iman altogether. وَلَا حَوْلَ وَلَا قُوَّةَ إِلَّا بِاللَّهِ And listen to this. إِنَّا قَدْ فَتَنَّا قَوْمَكَ قَوْمَكَ Your people have fallen into the fitna of kufr and shirk. Yani these are the direct followers of Musa alayhi salam. And that's what happened to them. Yani imagine, we are not the direct followers of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam in the sense that we existed at his time. Right? Companions were there at his time. And we are 1,400 years later. Allah Azza wa Jal is telling us that the direct people that Musa alayhi salam preached to, they're the ones that fell into a fitna of kufr and became misguided as a result of what As-Samiri brought to them. We'll say what he brought. But the idea is, no one is guaranteed steadfastness upon Iman. Not even guaranteed if you lived with the Prophet himself. No one's guaranteed. These people were with the Prophet. They surrounded him. They walked with him. They ate with him. And even then, they're the ones that fell into the fitna the moment he was absent from them. Allahu Akbar. Imagine a thousand four hundred years. Wallahi, it is a blessing from Allah Azza wa Jal upon those who are still committed upon La ilaha illallah and firm and steadfast upon their iman. It is a blessing. We ask Allah Azza wa Jal to maintain and preserve this blessing upon us. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, فَرَجَعَ مُوسَىٰ إِلَىٰ قَوْمِهِ غُبَّانَ أَسِفًا قَالَ يَا قَوْمِ أَلَمْ يَعِدْكُمْ رَبُّكُمْ وَعْدًا حَسَنًا أَفَطَالَ عَلَيْكُمُ الْعَهْدِ أَمْ أَرَدْتُمْ مَنْ يَحِلَّ عَلَيْكُمْ غَضَبٌ مِّنْ رَبِّكُمْ فَأَخْلَفْتُمْ مَوْعِدِي فَرَجَعَ مُوسَىٰ Musa alayhi salam, when he heard this from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he was upset, he was angry, he was distraught. How can his people abandon Allah? And turned to other than Allah. So he came back, full of rage and anger. And asifan, meaning he was upset. And some say asifan means angry. So asifan is twice the anger. As soon as he saw his people, from the extreme anger he had in his heart, he had the Torah in the form of tablets in his hand. 
and he threw them to the ground. Imagine the word of Allah, a prophet of Allah throws it to the floor. Allah says, He threw it to the floor. They mention that in a rage like this, if a person is angry for the sake of Allah, what's made Musa السلام, angry? He is angry for the sake of Allah. How can the people abandon Allah and turn to other than Allah? So if a person had thrown the word of Allah out of anger for Allah and it happened in the moment, that's excused. There is no sin in this. But if a person grabbed the word of Allah and threw it as an insult to the book, he becomes a disbeliever with this action. When Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he never ever ever got angry for himself. For a personal matter, he would never get angry. He only got angry when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's limit would be trespassed and transgressed. He only got angry for the sake of Allah azza wa jal. If someone was to disobey Allah and go against the commands and the laws of Allah, this is when a Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam would get angry. So raja'a Musa ila qawmihi ghabbana asifa. And he faced them with words. The first thing he said to them, Alam ya'idkum rabbukum wa'dan hasana. He said to them, didn't Allah promise you good, beautiful promises? He's saying to them, didn't Allah promise you beautiful promises and he fulfilled them for you? He promised you that he will save you from Fir'aun and he saved you and he destroyed your enemy and he fulfilled the promise and he promised that as we're walking now in the desert that he will send upon us al-man wa salwa which is al-man, a type of sweet, as-salwa, a type of poultry. And this was their food in the desert. Didn't Allah promise us this? And he fulfilled his promise? Didn't Allah promise you a good promise that he will give you a tawrah that will have guidance and mercy in it? And he fulfilled his promise there. I've got the book with me. Didn't Allah promise us a good life if we were to commit to his worship? Alam ya'idkum rabbukum wa'dan hasana. Didn't Allah promise you that if you are to commit upon Islam and die upon Islam, that he will admit you into the paradise? So why? Why did you turn away from him and worship other than Allah? Why are you searching for a Lord other than him? Has he promised you anything and he hasn't fulfilled his promise with you? Why are you turning to other than him? And this is something that we see for our times and it's relevant. Why are people turning to other religions? Why are people turning to other beliefs? Can't you see the mercy and the justice and the guidance in the book that Allah revealed to us? Why do people replace Allah with something else? What goodness is the calf going to bring to you? What promise did the calf give you and fulfill its promise? Subhanallah. Today Muslims are turning to other than Islam. And this is a calamity. Turning to atheism, liberalism, honoring democracy, and they turn away from Islam. And these same people, this is the word we say. Didn't Allah 
promise you good promises, beautiful promises, and he fulfilled each and every single one of them? Isn't there goodness in Allah's religion? Can't you see it? Can't you see the mercy and the peace and the justice in Allah's religion? Why have you turned your back to Al-Islam and abandoned your deen and looking for gods and laws other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? So then Musa alayhi salam, he says to them, أَفَطَالَ عَلَيْكُمُ الْعَهْدِ Allahu Akbar. He said, or oh, was it the fact that the time was too long for you and you couldn't wait patiently. Yani, listen to this very carefully. Musa alayhi salam is telling them, and we're learning through this, that this is one of the greatest reasons for why people fall into the fitna of kufr and shirk or whatever it is. Why do people fall into fitan? Why? It is because they assume that the promise of Allah is very far away. This is one of the greatest reasons for why people fall into the fitna of kufr and shirk and sin and disobedience and rebellion. And this is the reason for why Bani Israel at this time worshipped a calf. What was the reason? Because they had assumed that the promise of Allah is very far away. Why didn't they say you're promising us a good life or the paradise or ease? Where is it? Too far away. أَفَطَالَ عَلَيْكُمُ الْعَهْدِ Musa alayhi salam is saying to them, أَفَطَالَ عَلَيْكُمُ الْعَهْدِ Did you see the promise of Allah being fulfilled very far away? And you see, subhanallah, for a believer, the promises of Allah, the promises of the afterlife are not far. They're extremely close. Allah Azza wa Jal, he said, إِنَّهُمْ يَرَوْنَهُ بَعِيدًا وَنَرَاهُ قَرِيبًا The disbeliever, he sees the promise of Allah very far. As a result, he rebels against Allah. Nothing is coming anytime soon. It's far away. I'll deal with it when it comes. That's the attitude. Allah Azza wa Jal, he says, وَنَرَاهُ قَرِيبًا The believer sees Allah's promise very close. Very soon, Allah's promise would be fulfilled. In the very same surah, Surah Taha, towards the end, there's a conversation among the people on the plains of the Day of Judgment. Allah Azza wa Jal said, illa The people would speak among each other on the Day of Judgment. And they will say, perhaps we remained on earth for 10 days. Shuf how quick it was. On the Day of Judgment, Wallahi you hear this. People would be saying on the Day of Judgment that our life on earth was about 10 days approximately no more. Then Allah Azza wa Jal said, نَحْنُ أَعْلَمُ بِمَا يَقُولُونَ إِذْ يَقُولُ أَمْثَلُهُمْ طَرِيقَةً إِلَّا بِفْتُمْ إِلَّا يَوْمًا So a person among them, and Allah would refer to him as أَمْثَلُهُمْ طَرِيقَةً The best person in calculation, the best among them in count and calculation, he would say to them, no, perhaps we stayed on this earth one day, not ten days, one day. Look how quick it is. Look, the earth and life on earth is quick. Super quick, quicker than what you can think on the day of judgment. This time we spent on earth, the best one who can count will say we spent a day only. Look how close Allah's promise is. Allah Azza wa Jal brings even a closer reality and makes this even shorter. In Surah Al-Nazi'at, Allah Azza wa Jal, He says, كَأَنَّهُمْ يَوْمَ يَرَوْنَهَا لَمْ يَلْبَثُوا إِلَّا عَشِيَّةً أَوْضُحَاهَا 
the people on the day of judgment would then understand and know that their life on earth was measured in ashiyatan, 20 minutes. Awbuhaha, probably half an hour to 40 minutes. This is what people on the day of judgment would think about the time they spent on earth. Even how quick is this? And people, they have the ability to wait patiently. So why can people wait patiently concerning worldly matters and they don't have the same attitude concerning hereafter matters and the promises of Allah? Today, if a person applied at the housing commission, he has no problem to wait 18 years, 20 years. I'll wait patiently. Well, what's the difference? When Allah Azza had promised you, remain firm and committed upon your Islam. And the moment you die, I give you a house in the paradise. A long-lasting house in the paradise. In the company of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah builds it for you. What's the difference? Why would you remain patient 20 years for a house here? And you have that certainty and that attitude and you wait patiently. But you don't have the same attitude. We ask Allah Azza wa to instill this attitude in us. That we await patiently for his promises. My, my brothers and sisters in Islam, this is the reality. Allah Azza wa promised the believers the paradise. The moment they die. As soon as the believer dies. Immediately. His soul is taken all the way up to Allah. Then Allah Azza wa would command the angels, send it back to his body for the questioning. And he would say, I created them from the earth and they shall return to the earth. So the soul of the believer travels once again from Allah all the way until it reaches its body and it enters the body. The questioning happens. The questioning is over. And then the believer's soul where does it go? It goes to the paradise. And Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, as narrated by Kaab ibn Malik radiyallahu anhu, إِنَّمَا نَسَمَةُ الْمُؤْمِنْ طَائِرٌ يُعَلِّقُ فِي شَجَرِ الْجَنَّةِ That نَسَمَةُ الْمُؤْمِنْ The soul of a believer, it becomes molded and shaped in the form of a bird and it hangs on the trees of the paradise. And it roams around whichever way it likes. It eats and it drinks and it enjoys its time in the paradise. And its life would remain in the paradise until Allah resurrects mankind from their graves. Then the soul would leave the paradise. It would go back into its body. Then a person is resurrected. Then the events of the day of judgment will happen. And then finally, the believer enters completely as a body and soul to the paradise. Heather, it's not far away. It's very soon. It is very close. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, Allah is saying, The one who we have given him a good promise, you will certainly meet it. Allah would certainly fulfill his promise to his slaves. Allah doesn't betray the promise. Even going back, Musa السلام, would say, What's wrong with you people of Bani Israel? 
Why would you turn to Al-Ajl? Why would you worship this calf? Did you assume that the promise of Allah is too long? And so the idea here was that uh, when Musa alayhi salam left, he was leaving for almost 40 days. He was going, he had to fast for 40 days and then he met Allah and Allah Azza wa revealed a Torah. فالشيطان came to Bani Israel at this time and he said to them that Musa alayhi salam has gone for 20 days and 20 nights. This is after the passing of only 20 days. Look how he confused them. He said, after 20 days, meaning how many days Musa has left? Another 20. So he did 20 and he's got another 20 days before he receives a Torah. What Iblis said and the waswas that he gave Bani Israel, he said to them, Musa has gone 20 days, 20 nights. Well, 20 days and 20 nights is 20 days. But he made it sound like this is the 40 days and he's not coming back and he probably died. You should find another Lord. And that's when As-Samiri began to work. Couldn't you wait patiently? What happened? Rather, the truth was, and Musa is saying this to Bani Israel as he's come back. Rather, the fact is that you wanted Allah's punishment to come upon you. And this is why you broke your promise with me. Because Bani Israel had promised Musa that we will remain committed upon the worship of Allah until you return. But they broke this promise. And they fell into al-fitna of kufr and shirk and worshipped other than Allah. So he said to them, you wanted to hasten Allah's punishment upon you. And in the same surah, Allah said, وَمَنْ يَحْلِلْ عَلَيْهِ غَضَبِ فَقَدْ هَوَىٰ and anyone who is faced by the punishment of Allah, then he has fallen. He falls into Jahannam. And the one who falls into Jahannam, The money of this world will not ransom you from that hellfire. Okay, he said to them that, we learned a lot from this ayah. We reflected over the fact that the greatest reason for why people fall into al-fitna is they don't have patience with the promises of Allah Azza wa Jal. So be careful and understand and know and acknowledge that Allah's promises are very close. You just fulfill your side of the matter. Fulfill your side of the contract. And that is to worship Allah and commit upon His worship until you die. This part is in your hand. You fulfill that. And don't worry about the promise of Allah. For certainly, And it's not far. The day you die, is the day you will see Allah's promise come to life. So then Bani Israel, they listened to his word, they acknowledged his word, they began to feel regret in their heart for what they had done. This is who they were. They were ignorant. And now their leader has come back. So they said, قَالُوا مَا أَخْلَفْنَا مَوْعِدَكَ بِمَلْكِنَا they said, they're beginning to explain what had happened to them. Why did they end up worshipping this calf? Listen to our story. Let us tell you what happened. We actually didn't break your promise. We didn't break your promise by our own will. Look at this. This is a lame, weak excuse. Those that are ignorant do not produce high quality uh, excuse. 
The excuse is always lean and weak. Nonetheless, this is their nature. This is the nature of the one who is ignorant. They said, We didn't break our, your pro our promise to you by our own will. So then the story is, then who forced you? What happened? If it wasn't by your own will, what had happened? For they said to him, They said, rather, this is what happened. And this is the story. Bani Israel, before they crossed the ocean, they had borrowed gold and jewelry from the Coptics, which were the followers of Fir'aun. The Bani Israel had borrowed their jewelry and their gold, and they had it with them. They wanted to return it, obviously, but they couldn't return it because by then Allah had saved Bani Israel and Musa and Fir'aun and the army, all of them were destroyed. So there is no one to return this gold. And they asked Musa السلام, before he left. They said, Ya Musa, this gold that we have, what do we do with it? Can we take it? Can we uh, claim possession over it? Is it ours? What do we do with it? He said to them, no, this is a sin. It's not allowed to remain in your hand. You need to get rid of it. And you need to understand something. That this gold in their hand is considered, we refer to it in Islam as al-ghanima. Al-ghanima, this is the booty of war. But the ghanima, the booty of war, was not permissible for any prophet except Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And this is one of the things that made the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam unique. This is one of yani, the special matters that Allah azza wa gave the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa and gave no other prophet before him. So how would the prophets before deal with a ghanimah if it ended up in their hand? Musa salam said to them, listen, collect all this gold. It's all awzaran. It is all sin. It is not halal to remain in your possession. Collect it all and throw it into a hole. Now what would happen is that when they put all this in the hole, a fire would come and burn it all off. A fire would come and it would burn it all and it's finished. No one owns it. Allah destroys it. So they collected this gold and Musa السلام, by then had left and they put it all into the hole and the fire came and began to burn it. فَكَذَلِكَ أَلْقَ السَّامِرِي السَّامِرِي came and he was the last one to come to this hole and he had a handful of dirt in his hand. فَكَذَلِكَ أَلْقَ السَّامِرِي and in the same manner we threw our gold As-Samiri threw a handful of dirt inside of this hole as well. Now, where did this come from? Look, this is As-Samiri. When Musa السلام, was saved and he was standing on the other side, As-Samiri was an individual who Allah gave him some knowledge he didn't give anyone else. He inspired to him something. He recognized something. He saw Musa السلام, taking instructions from someone who looked really يعني, unusual. He didn't fit in Bani Israel. That was Jibreel. Jibreel was standing next to Musa السلام, giving him instructions what to do. Strike the, the, the ocean with your staff. And when they were saved and on the other side, Musa السلام, wanted to come and strike the ocean with his staff. And Jibreel would say to him, Leave the ocean. Don't touch it. 
They're going to be drowning very soon. Samiri saw this and realized this person is not normal. Musa is taking instructions from him. So he recognized he was an angel. Jibreel was coming into the form of a human. He realized it was Jibreel, it was an angel. So as Jibreel got onto his horse and began to take off, a Samiri came and took a handful of dirt from underneath the hoof of the horse. Hak, Allah had inspired in him that if you take a handful of dirt from underneath the hoof of the horse of Jibreel, this dirt will have life in it. If it's thrown on something, it'll give it life. It'll put life in it. By the permission of Allah Azza As a fitna, as a trial to people. So what he did is that all Bani Israel threw their gold in and he came at the very end in the same manner they threw their gold, he threw that handful of dirt in there as well. And now everything is burning. Allah Azza wa Jal, he said after this, And he extracted from all this gold that is burning, coupled with the dirt, with the handful of dirt, he brought out for Bani Israel عجلن, a calf, a calf, a golden calf. It had a real sound to it, the sound of a calf. He stood at that fire and he said to it, This is an ability Allah gave him. Allah sent him as a fitna to Bani Israel, just like Allah would send a Dajjal as a fitna to people. Just Allah, like as Allah creates a shaitan and sent him upon the people as a fitna. Allah wants to test who will obey Allah, who will obey a shaitan. Who will be a follower of Allah, who would be a follower of a Dajjal. And in this case, it's no different. Who's going to be a follower of this misguided Samiri, this deviant Samiri, and who's going to stick strong to his commitment with Allah and to worship Allah until he dies. That's the fitna of a Samiri. فَأَخْرَجَ لَهُمْ عِجْلًا جَسَدًا He said to this fire and to this gold as it's burning, become, become a calf that has a sound. And it made a sound just that one time. لَهُ خوار. And it seemed real and it seemed alive. And Bani Israel witnessed this and they saw it. And they couldn't believe their eyes with what they saw. And you know, a Samiri, Already, remember how we said when they crossed the ocean and they came to the other side and they passed by a people that were worshipping an idol and the idol was what? Was a calf? A Samiri knew, ah, these people requested from Musa to make for them a god like them, meaning he recognized their weakness. He knew where he can get them from. This is what a hypocrite among the people does. He recognizes and identifies the Muslim's weakness and he hits them at that. He brings them a fitna from that door. So instead of Bani Israel looking at this and saying, Subhanallah, Subhanallah, what is this? Rather, they said, They fell into the fitna of kufr and shirk. The majority of them said, This is your Lord. Look at it. It made a sound. It came out alive. 
Our gold is supposed to burn. And our gold is supposed to disappear. However, the gold became into a calf and it's made of gold and it made a real sound. This has got to be our Lord. Not only that, look at the foolishness where it went to. They said, They said, and this is also the Lord of Musa, but he forgot his Lord here. Allah, very soon he'll come back to find his Lord here. Fanasi can also mean fatarak, meaning he left his Lord here. Very soon he'll come back and realize his mistake. The, Musa, the one who taught them and guided them and supported them and was patient with them. And now he's misguided. And now he's lost his God. Now he's misplaced his Lord. He's nowhere he is. Look at Al-Fitnah when it hits a person. It hits him intensely. فَأَخْرَجَ لَهُمْ عِجْلًا جَسَدًا لَهُ خُوَارٍ فَقَالُوا هَذَا إِلَاهُكُمْ وَإِلَاهُ مُوسَى فَنَسِي Al-Samiri took advantage of their weakness. He knew this was the point that they were very weak at. And why did they have weakness concerning this matter? Why? Because Bani Israel, before Musa السلام, came to them, they used to worship calves as well, before he came. And when he came to them, they embraced this message, they accepted. But... They did not completely remove the worship of calves and idols from their hearts. They didn't. It was still somewhere there. It was still somewhere there. And so when As-Samiri saw an opportunity and brought this ajil, this calf, to them, they were already weak. They had repented, but they didn't completely remove the love of worshipping idols out of their heart. The environment is there. The calf is there. Musa السلام, is not there. Ignorance is widespread. They fell into it. What we're learning here is the danger of repenting from a sin and not completely removing it from your heart. Because if this sin comes back again to you and you're present in an environment which makes the sin easy for you to commit, you'll find yourself falling into it. A believer is supposed to fight himself. He's supposed to develop hate for the sin that he repented from. Allah Azza wa Jalla said, وَلَكِنَّ اللَّهَ حَبَّبَ إِلَيْكُمُ الْإِيمَانَ وَزَيَّنَهُ فِي قُلُوبِكُمْ وَكَرَّهَ إِلَيْكُمُ الْكُفْرَ وَالْفُسُوقَ وَالْعِصْيَانَ The believer is supposed to be someone who كَرَّهَ إِلَيْكُمُ الْكُفْرَ You need to hate it with a passion. Hate the sin and transgression with a desire from your heart. كَرَّهَ إِلَيْكُمُ الْكُفْرَ وَالْفُسُوقَ وَالْعِصْيَانَ All of it. It needs to be condemned. And hate it from your heart after you repent from it. So that if it presents again in your life, you've already dealt with that. You've already hated it enough. You cannot stand it. You will not come near it. Allahu Akbar. But that, that didn't happen to them. So they fell into this fitna. Subhanallah. And as we said, this is a quality of the modern day Samiri that exists today. You know, there's a lot of people that are doing exactly what a Samiri did today. And they are known as the hypocrites among the Muslims. This is what a Samiri is in the story. It's relevance for us. Many Samiris exist today. They observe the weakness of the Muslim community and what they are totally ignorant in. Then they would cast a fitna at them and people would follow. Yani, I'll give you an example. Modern day Samiri, modern day hypocrites would observe the state of our Muslim sisters. And would observe 
the widespread ignorance among sisters concerning the exact correct meaning of al-hijab. He sees there's widespread ignorance. The majority have no clue what the correct hijab and dress code of a Muslim woman is. So hypocrites among the Muslim community begin to work. They go hard to work. And they produce material and clothing. And they call it hijab. And they call it modest way. A Samiri is working. A Samiri is working. And when we present and show our frustration and anger concerning this matter. Essentially, we are frustrated and angry with those behind the scenes that did this because they know exactly what they are doing. They know exactly what kind of fitna they have brought the people in. And the majority are innocent. They're ignorant, widespread ignorant. Widespread ignorance. The eight conditions of hijab are hardly known to many of the sisters. The hijab that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam taught us, that Allah mentioned in the Quran, that was held on and upheld by the female companions above the list, the wives of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the majority don't know. Don't know. So a Samiri gets to work and take many examples. When you see widespread fitan in the community, this is because the Samiris got to work, saw what is weak in the Muslims, and Allah hit on this. Subhanallah. Allah Azza wa Jal, He said, أَفَلَا يَرَوْنَ أَلَّا يَرْجِعُ إِلَيْهِ بِقَوْلًا وَلَا يَلْمِلِكُ لَهُمْ بَرًّا وَلَا نَفْعًا Didn't Bani Israel, didn't these people, the majority of them, that worshipped the calf, didn't they see that this calf couldn't even return any speech to them? <laughs> couldn't even speak to them? And it doesn't even possess any harm or benefit to them. What are you people worshipping? You turned from Allah to what? To something that doesn't even acknowledge you? Can't even respond to you? Doesn't even know if you exist or don't? Has no clue about your life and your future? What blessing did the calf give you? What did it give you? But the idea is this. Let me tell you. How do people become so corrupt? These Bani Israel became so corrupt, within a matter of 20 days, they're worshipping an idol. And 20 days before, they had one of the best prophets with them. I'll tell you this. It is four things. If these four things are present in one time in a community, it is a recipe for disaster. And the unfortunate case is that we're living these four things right now. Number one, the absence of strong leadership. And that is the fact that Musa alayhi salam had gone. He's disappeared. He's, he's absent. He's gone for a great mission. The absence of strong leadership. Hypocrites in the community. That is represented by a Samiri. Widespread ignorance among the people. And this is represented in the fact that Bani Israel, after being saved and still with their prophet, they saying to him, make us a lord like they have a lord. That's widespread ignorance. And number four, the righteous believers are a small number and they are weak. And that is Harun alayhi salam and the believers that are with him. Because Harun alayhi salam later on would say to Musa, They overpowered me. I became weak. They almost killed me. 
See these four things? If they are present in one time in a community, a recipe for disaster. Allahu Akbar. And this is what the case is today. The absence of strong leadership. The Muslims do not have a Khalifa above them to rule them and rule their affairs and direct them. That is strong leadership that's missing. There are hypocrites, oh, and there are many in their thousands. And each and every single one of them is given platforms and supported and money and TV channels and YouTube channels or TikTok, wallah, whatever it is. And people working behind the scenes supporting, supporting a Samiris. And then there is widespread ignorance today, huge ignorance. If you come to someone and you tell him, give me the definition of Islam, I don't know. Maybe it's the five pillars of Islam. No, I don't want the pillars. I want the definition of Islam. Peace. No, it's not peace. Give me the definition of Islam. The fundamental matter of our deen, the majority do not know. Widespread ignorance. And then, yes, alhamdulillah, there is committed believers, righteous believers, solid in their deen and their iman. Small in number. And they are weak. They are weak. Why they're in prison? Why they're being followed, or either they've been silenced, or either they're in their homes locked up, Wallahu alam without. This is the case. Four matters exist in one time in a community, a recipe for disaster. And this is what had happened. Allah Azza wa Jal then he says, Even though Harun and the believers with him are small in number, and they are overpowered, and they are weak, and they have been threatened, that they be killed, he didn't remain silent. The people of the truth should always talk and condemn the evil and say it for what it is. So Allah Azza wa Jal said, وَلَقَدْ قَالَ لَهُمْ هَارُونُ مِنْ قَبْلِ Harun alayhi salam told Bani Israel مِنْ قَبْلِ before, meaning before Musa alayhi salam arrived back to see the disaster in front of him, Harun had stood in front of his people and said to them, يَا قَوْمْ إِنَّمَا فُتِنْتُمْ بِهِ My people! This is a fitna. A Samiri and this calf is a fitna. And your Lord is Allah, the most merciful. Speak, Akhi. The one who is calling to Allah. The one who is preaching and calling the people to Islam or to Allah. You see the evil, you condemn it. Few words. Doesn't have to be much. Just make the people aware that this is a fitna. Innama futintum bih. Khalas, that's all it is. Allah has sent a Samiri upon you as a fitna. What's wrong with you people? Innama futintum bih. And then give him the, the solid fact. Wa inna rabbakumur rahman. Khalas, no more. There's no Lord other than him. And he used the name Allah, ar-Rahman, which opens the door of mercy. Meaning the preacher to Allah should not, should not turn the people away from Allah's mercy. Even if they're in the midst of the worst crime possible. And that is a shirk. Is there worse than that? Even then he's reminding them of the name of Allah, Ar-Rahman. Meaning if you turn to him right now, you will see Rahmah from him. You will see his mercy. He'll accept you. He'll forgive your sins. And he'll give you another chance. And he'll love you once again, no problems. But turn to him, subhanahu wa ta'ala. إِنَّمَا فُتِنْتُمْ بِهِ وَإِنَّ رَبَّكُمُ الرَّحْمَانِ Then he said to them, فَاتَّبِعُونِي وَأَطِيعُوا أَمْرِي Follow me, because that's what my brother told me to do. Follow me, وَأَطِيعُوا أَمْرِي And obey my command. 
Which command? The command of follow me. Uh, follow me and obey my command. Meaning, obey my command when I tell you, follow me. Abandon this stuff. Turn away from a samiri and this calf and come down my path. Follow me. amri. You see, the righteous, even though the evil is all around, the corruption and the fitan and the kufr is all around, must speak. Why does he have to speak? So that you make an excuse for yourself on the day of judgment. So that when you come on the day of judgment and you're told, you saw al-fitan, you saw the corruption, you will say, Allah, I spoke. Allah, I have no control over them. I spoke. I told the people this was a fitna. Open your eyes and see it for what it is. And your Lord is al-Rahman, turn to him. I've got nothing to do with this anymore. I've given you the message. It becomes an excuse for you on the day of judgment. It'll save you. So they turned back to Harun at that time. And they said to him, Look at the passion that the people of misguidance have for their falsehood. They said to him, We will not stop devoting ourselves to this calf until Musa السلام, comes back. See how, how strong this kufr is? They said, we will not cease, we will not stop devoting our worship to this calf. You know, al-i'tikaf is to sit in the masjid for 10 days. Yani we're going to sit at the foot of this calf. We're not going nowhere. This is our Lord. What are you talking about, Harun? But this is the Lord of your brother as well. Look, look, look how bent upon their kufr they were. Compare this to the people of the truth. How many are passionate? about learning their deen and spreading their deen and upholding the guidance of Allah. Wallah, if the believers were to be passionate about the truth in the same manner the disbelievers were passionate upon their falsehood, Islam would have taken over the world. Like in fitna for the people. The majority, the vast majority, I said to you, don't know what Islam is. We ask Allah Azza wa to protect us and to save us. We're going to continue to worship until Musa comes back. When Musa comes back, he can tell us if this is actually his Lord or not. That's why we're waiting for him to come back. And once again, this presents that same idea we mentioned about people attaching themselves to people and not to the wahi. And this, Allah Azza wa Jal, had tested the Sahaba during the life of Rasulullah You know, in, in the battle of Uhud, the rumor had spread that Rasulullah was killed. So the companions, majority of them, sat down and stopped fighting altogether, had no clue what to do. Until Anas ibn al-Nadr, he came, and he saw them sitting, and he was amazed. And he asked them, why are you not fighting? What happened? Why are you sitting? They said to him, Mata Rasulullah, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam died. He said to them, Qumu, famutu ala ma mata alayhi Rasulullah. Get up and die upon that which Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam died upon. He died upon Islam and Iman. Go and die the same way. Then Allah Azza wa Jal revealed, وَمَا مُحَمَّدٌ إِلَّا رَسُولٌ قَدْ خَلَتْ مِنْ قَبْلِهُ الرُّسُلُ Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is the only prophet. إلا رسول. He's only a prophet, a messenger. Many messengers had come before him. أَفَإِمَّاتَ أُقُتِلْ Now that he's killed, 
Or if he dies, you're going to turn away from your Iman and Islam? That's the idea. Allah Azza wa tested the Sahaba that day. But it was a rumor when Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was still alive. But Allah teaching us through this ayah, do not attach to individuals. Do not attach because it becomes a fitna to you. If this individual is absent, you're going to lose your deen altogether. These companions sat, had no clue what to do. Allah Azza gave steadfastness to certain companions. And they came and inspired those sitting to get up. What are you waiting for? When Nabi Sallallahu will die, but the wahi will not die. The wahi will stay among us. So follow that. Now, this is an important lesson to reflect over. So, so, when Harun, when they said, We're going to remain worshipping this calf until Musa comes back. When Musa, السلام, he's back, of course, the first one he addressed was his brother Harun, before the people. The first one he addressed was his brother. Here Allah said, he said to Harun, because of course he put him in charge, so he has to ask him first. He said to him, What prevented you? What prevented you, O Harun, from following me and coming after me the moment you saw them being misguided? Did you disobey my command? See, look at this. Harun had three options. Musa السلام, is reprimanding him, Why didn't you follow me? What is meant by this is two things. The first option Harun had was to take the small number of believers and follow Musa السلام, until he reaches to Musa and tell him what the people had done. Inform him. That's one option. The second option, which also means take the small number of believers and go and fight Bani Israel. Because remember, what did Musa السلام, say to Harun? Aslih, fix things. Make sure things are straight. If anyone goes out of line, punish him. So this is a munkar. People have gone out of line. So now he has the green light from his brother to cause a fight and fight these people. He has that green light from his brother. So these are two options he has. Take the believers and go after Musa and inform him. Or take the small number of believers and fight the majority of Bani Israel that have become mushrikeen. And the third option is take the small number of believers and continue to advise and condemn Bani Israel until Musa comes back. Of the three, which one did Harun السلام, choose? The third one. He chose to team up with the small number of believers and to continuously advise and condemn the munkar that Bani Israel did. And he's going to do this until Musa السلام, returns. And, and, and at the beginning, Musa السلام, was very angry. He had grabbed his brother by his beard and by his head. And he said to him, Ma manak! What prevented you from following me? Following me meaning come after me or follow my command and fight them. When you saw them misguided, amri? Did you disobey my command? So, after this, Harun said to his brother, The son of my mother. He said to him, he didn't say, oh brother. 
He said to him, the son of my brother, the son of my mother, Yabna Na'um, um, he's reminding him of the mother who is a source of compassion and kindness and care and mercy. As though he's saying to him, go easy, have some kindness and compassion and mercy upon me. Yabna Um, let go of my beard and let go of my head. Inni, let me explain to you what happened. Relax. Inni khashitu an taqula farraqta bayna bani Israela wa lam tarqub qawli. I feed that if I was to come after you, you're going to accuse me of causing division among Bani Israel and dividing them up. And if I fought them, I feared that you might come back and see us all fighting each other and everyone's divided and chaos and you're going to go off at me because I caused this division. So I feed this and then I feed you would have blamed me and said, that you didn't obey my command. So I did what I did. And then here, when Harun gave his explanation, Musa alayhi salam stepped back and he realized that he had a point in what he did. And then he said, Oh Allah, bestow your mercy and your forgiveness upon me and my brother and admit us into the paradise. But from all this, what do we learn? We learn that in very confusing times and in severe times of corruption and fitan, the righteous, the scholars, the callers to Islam might differ among one another in terms of how is it best to deal with the people. In that time, these people that are in charge need to have mercy among each other and go easy at each other. And the people should also have mercy upon them. Sometimes someone would say something, a scholar would say something, of course based upon knowledge and wisdom, but this is how he sees it. And another might totally disagree with him. But at the end of the day, there should be kindness and compassion. But I tell you something. From these three options, not a single option of them was for Harun to join hands with Bani Israel, to shake hands with them, to join a Samiri, to take pictures with him, eh, and to support him, and to clap for him. And to create ties and bonds with him, that wasn't there. That wasn't an option. That is never an option in the book of righteous, sincere believers. That is never an option. So we might differ in terms of how we're going to deal with the situation. Musa alayhi salam thought if Harun had picked up the believers and went to him, it would have been better. Or if he had fought Bani Israel, it would have been better. Harun didn't say that. Harun thought, you know what, since they were almost about to kill me, I don't have power and strength against them, and we're small in number, probably the best position I can do now is advise. So he exercised what's best in his possible manner. But no option was to sit with As-Samiri and clap for him, and condone him for his evil and for his harm. Subhanallah, we need to learn. Finally, we're coming to the end. Musa alayhi salam now, after hearing his brother's excuse and accepted and sought forgiveness for him and for his brother, he turned to As-Samiri now. He said to him, فَمَا خَطْبُكَ يَا سَامِرِي What's the deal with you? O oh, Samiri, what's your case? What's wrong? What do you do? And this is the righteous. When leadership comes back, 
Because Musa السلام, even though he's younger than Harun, he was younger than Harun, but he was feed by Bani Israel. He had a strong hand. No one would dare to get out of line when Musa السلام, was there. See the whole fitna that Samiri did? He wouldn't dare to do it if Musa was there. So he said to him, Ma khutbuk. And this is the leadership holding to account the hypocrites among the believers, holding them to account. Come here. What did you do? Fasamiri said, I observed something that all of Bani Israel did not observe. And that was the knowledge of if I was to take a handful of dirt from underneath the hoof of the horse and throw it into something, it'll bring it to life. I saw something no one else saw. And this is a quality of a hypocrite. This is a quality of a hypocrite. He says, I saw something no one saw. And wallahi, they are among us today. I tell you how. A Samiri, the modern day Samiri, would be someone that comes up on live TV, huge following, huge platform, and he would say, wallahi, after deep research and deep analogy, it has come to my attention that al-hijab is not fard in Islam. That alcohol is actually halal. It is not haram. That az-zina is halal. Until you look, wallahi, there are Muslims that speak this today. Wallahi. What's their problem? Exactly like as-samiri. Basurtu bima lam yabsuru bih. Yani anta? A thousand four hundred years of scholarly knowledge. No one saw it. You're the first one to come and see it. That al-hijab is not fard. Like what did Nabi Sallallahu teach us? And the companions and those that came after. And a thousand four hundred years of ulama. No one saw it? You're the first one to understand the ayat of Allah in the manner they're to be understood. Hey, that is a good sign of a hypocrite. This is modern day Samiri. This is the Samiri. He said, And so, I took a handful of dirt from underneath the hoof of the horse. Because Allah mentioned this in the, in the Quran. فَقَبَضْتُ قَبْضَةً مِنْ أَثَرِ الرَّسُولِ الرسول is Jibreel here. The horse of Jibreel. فَنَبَذْتُهَا And I threw it on the gold. وَكَذَلِكَ سَوَّلَتْ لِي نَفْسِي That's what I desired. That's what I wanted to do. I saw an opportunity to create a fitna. So I took it. سَوَّلَتْ لِي نَفْسِي I desired leadership. I wanted to be the president here. I wanted to be the leader. And I couldn't do it unless I brought the people something wow. And I knew their weakness. So I brought them this calf in hopes that they would say, Samiri, you're our leader. You're our new role model. We're now going to follow in your step. This is what he wanted. This is the disease of the love of leadership. The love of leadership was filled in his heart. He wanted popularity. He wanted authority. He wanted control. Heck, this is how the hypocrite works. Look at them today. Look at the hypocrite today. Heck, he'll bring himself to every TV channel out there. Who'll accept him? And he'll come with weird knowledge because these TV channels and all these platforms and social media, they want the influencer. They want the person who is going to speak 
the uncommon narrative. They want the person who's going to say Az-Zina is halal, that Al-Hijab is not fard, because this is an uncommon stand and a position. We want him. And he loves it because he's going to gain popularity. A lot are going to follow him. Remember, widespread ignorance. People ask, oh, this is the truth. Right? Listen to what happened now. We're coming to the end. That's it. That's the strength of Musa alayhi salam. He said to him, get lost. Get out of here. Your punishment in this life would be that you will continuously say Don't touch me. You know, As-Samiri, this whole fitna he created was for him to be a leader. He wanted everyone around him. Allah Azza punished him with exactly opposite what he wanted. He punished him with such a punishment that he lived lonely for the rest of his life. Anyone who would approach him, who had no idea who he is, he would quickly, because that's how mentally disturbed and distressed he was, anyone who came near him, he would say, let me says, get out of here, don't touch me, I don't want to talk to anyone. Don't deal with me, I don't want to eat with anyone. I don't want to drink with anyone. I don't want to hang out with anyone. I don't want to marry anyone's children. I don't want to deal with anyone. Get lost. That's how, he, that's how sick and mentally disturbed he became. Allah punished him like this. In this life, this would be your state. You wanted leader? You wanted everyone around you? You got exactly opposite to this. Everyone ran away from you. And those who did not know you and saw you, you're the one that would tell them, keep away. Solitary confinement. Lived lonely for the rest of his life until he died. Not only that. And on the day of judgment, there's another promise awaiting you. And that is... The promise of the hellfire. And then Musa alayhi salam would say to him, before you go, look at this God. Look at this calf of yours that you brought out for the people, that you remain devoted in worship to him. We are definitely going to intensely, intensely burn it. See that ra'ah, he's got a shadda. And then the noon at the end with a shaddah, meaning I'm going to burn it in a manner no one has burnt anything ever before. Intensely burn it with anger. Not only that, and after that we're going to cast it and throw it. Throw it deep into the ocean, into the, into the waters. What's this? What is, Harun, what is Musa salam doing? Firstly, Musa salam is changing the munkar with his hand. Because he has the ability. So he grabs this calf and he burns it, burns it until it melts. The shape of the calf has gone. And then he throws it in the ocean. See these words? And all these adjectives I added with it, intensely or profusely or waza with extreme and so on. That is the hate that the believer is supposed to have towards a shirk. That's the, kind of, that's the kind of feeling and emotion the believer is supposed to have towards a shirk. Same as Ibrahim alayhi salam. You know when Ibrahim saw the idols and he broke them, how did Allah describe the breaking of the idols? He said, He crushed them, he made them into powder. You would have assumed just take the axe, cut it and break it in half. La. Then he went to one half and he broke that. And he kept banging it and pounding it. 
until it became juvah, then that little pebbles became like dust. From a stone structure to dust. This is the anger and the hatred the believer should have for a shirk whenever it's seen. And I tell you today, Muslims are confused. Widespread ignorance. When Muslims see a major sin, they get angry. They get upset. Rightfully so, yes. Major sins are major sins. They're wrong. But when they see a shirk, it's all good. It's like nothing happened. This is a calamity. We should have been the opposite. A shirk is supposed to be condemned. And a believer is supposed to have anger and hatred towards a shirk more than anything. More than the major sins. Then how? This is your Lord being abandoned and turned away from. Last ayah, Allah Azza wa Jal concludes and he says, إِنَّمَا إِلَاهُكُمُ اللَّهِ الَّذِي لَا إِلَاهَ إِلَّا هُوَ وَسِعَ كُلَّ شَيْءٍ عِلْمًا That's the benefit. That's what you need to come out with the story. This is the concluding ayah of this story. إِنَّمَا إِلَاهُكُمُ اللَّهِ Your Lord is none other than Allah. لَا إِلَاهَ إِلَّا هُوَ And there is no lords with him. Absolutely no lord with him. Why? وَسِعَ كُلَّ شَيْءٍ عِلْمًا Because he is the only Lord who encompasses all things in his knowledge. He is the one who has knowledge of all things. Bring me someone that has the exact same knowledge as Allah. We'll worship him. There's no one. Therefore the ayah was concluded with the greatest reason for why you should turn to Allah in worship alone and no one else. وَسِعَ كُلَّ شَيْءٍ عِلْمًا Allahu Akbar We ask Allah Azza wa Jal to protect our iman to preserve our iman and the iman of our children and the faith in the iman of our generations to come. We ask Allah Azza wa Jal to save us from the fitan, ma zahara minha wa ma batan. We ask Allah Azza wa Jal to accept our gathering, to forgive our sins and our shortcomings, to admit us into the paradise. Ma'an nabiyyina wa siddiqina wa shuhadai wa salihin wa hasuna ulaika rafiqa. جزاكم الله خيرا وصلى الله وسلم وبارك على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين